0: Loading Artist Audio Insight Otcast Verb Interview with artists working today Otcast Noun Insights into the work and process Hello and welcome to Otcast I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon Loading Artist Audio insight. We'll we'll, we'll begin this uh, this party and uh, say yeah. welcome Sean Naftel to Otcast. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate it. Um, it's nice to reconnect with you again after some time.
1: Yeah, you too.
0: Yeah, it's been a couple of years, huh? It
1: has. Yeah,
0: yes. and um, so I guess we'll just see what you're up to and shoot away with the questions. Sounds great. All right, Let's shoot. Um, now, I guess in the beginning stages of things, uh, as far as your work goes, does uh, do you do you tend to have like a like a? Uh, I know maybe for the, some of the sculptural pieces, uh, is there like a like a maquette involved, or some like a? Di- I don't know if it's called like a diorama or some sketches uh, before you uh, hit hit the, the 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 final materials. Or,
1: you know, for a while I tried doing that, and it just isn't part of the process that's natural for me. Um, yeah, yeah. What I tend to do now is I, I tend to kind of write down a couple of different ideas and work with them a little bit and do them all, like do a written thing on paper. Um, and then as I'm working on the process, like actually making a piece or making sections of a piece, I do little drawings okay. of that section and then how to expand that section. So it's not so much a like a pre-game thing, but it's kind of like during the process, I... I start working with with different ideas and seeing how things will add and subtract from from the overall concept.
0: Right, right. And um yeah. is uh um is mostly a work uh con- conceptual uh, like conceptually driven or
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean it's a lot of the work's really really material. I, I use a lot of materials now. Uh, a lot of found materials, a lot of like bright colors. Uh, yeah. Everything from like not so much performance, but kind of interactive works, kind of interventions and situations to um, standalone sculptures that have uh, video and sound and light uh, and using like a lot of, uh, I don't know, like a lot of other art references. So not just visual art, but like looking at kind of pop culture, um, cartoons, novels, and how those start interplaying
0: within my work making loose connections and that sort of idea. Right. I notice, um, well, uh, there, there's there's some of your works which um, are documented um, uh, through, through you know, video means and, but most of the, the, the three-dimensional work, um, there seems to be or, or calling for an interaction with the viewer, um, which I guess most art does, but w- with yours, it seems like a little bit more than, than most. Uh, with, Sort of stand ins and in, and in, in some way where I feel like there, there's a lot of uh chairs involved in some of your uh three dimensional pieces yeah, and it's um, turned into an odd obsession oh nice well it's a it's a it seems to be a good one to have uh i feel like in some way just for the functional purpose, it seems to be like an actor or a symbol for a human in in some way um
1: yeah. Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, that is part of it for me. I mean, there is that thing with chairs that is, they're so um, relatable to the human form, even in their, like, you know, how they're described. You've got a back, a seat, arms, legs.
0: Yeah, that's great. I didn't think of that, yeah. It's just one of those things, and it just, it, and not that it I
1: was looking for this heady thing, but it, it really was that, you're right, it, it, the chair did work as a stand-in in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, it's nice, and it, it um... After spending some time looking at it, uh, I—that's not um, sort of instantly apparent, but uh, because it, you know, become becomes like in the context that you put them, it seems rather, um, you know, for the form and for the shape, and it, it becomes abstract, but it has a nice duality where, you know, like I said, it it it, it points to the figure in some way, so it, it it involves a viewer and almost invites a viewer in some way, because you know, I mean, a chair is rather inviting and so yeah 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 um, that's interesting um
1: well and i i've always well not always but in a lot of ways i'm i'm not interested in body politics and like the human figure yeah, yeah. um but i am interested in what like the figure like in putting somebody mentally in a situation and right. so it was a way of like okay well what what can i use that is somewhat relatable to the body and how does that then how does that then translate into these static pieces um without having, you know, uh, a molded figure or, you know, part of a cast yeah, and, yeah. And, or whatever it was. I'm just, it, you know, I'm not, it, that wasn't what, it isn't where I'm at. And it really was about that kind of reference.
0: Oh, okay. That, yeah, that's cool to know. Um, um, I guess I'll move on to this next question. And uh, something I'd like to figure out is whether or not, um, which one of these things uh, would you say feed your work more? Would it be other art forms? your own work, or something like dreams, or I guess the the, uh, the vast uh, word of life, um, or something other than those things?
1: Um, you know, I think it has to do a lot with looking at other work. I, I have kind of a weird love-hate relationship with other work. I, I get kind of bored with other people's work. Um, right. Not that I'm bored with their ideas or what they're doing, I just... I get so, I really like making my own work and I yeah. like being kind of caught up in my own work that I have a hard time going out and just looking at another person's work. Um, I tend to like assist other artists and collaborate with other artists. So that tends to be a really important part of my my solo process. Right. Um, I, I mean, I work with a collaborative partner on a regular basis. We go by the name Peacock. Um, and so what he and I talk about do really kind of builds my my own individual studio practice and um, I just got done working with this French artist um, and you know his individual practice um, I did a lot of research stuff for him and his individual practice you know it, it, obviously it's going to affect what you do and how yeah. you think and you know and so it does kind of come down to like you said this like overall like umbrella of life and the umbrella of life is you know it's what all of us are somewhat tainted by or influenced by or whatever. But for me, it really is like looking at like how my, my interactions with other people um, become the important part of my development process when it's like creating bodies of work.
0: Yeah. It seems, um, you know, the influence can be strong, especially uh, I think in some ways uh, this podcast may be the only uh, real collaboration other than some of the, the theater work or the set designs that I've done, but um, yeah, I, I see that like the the influence of other artists and how they work or how they yeah. relate to their own work, and and it can really affect and and uh, enhance in some way like your own practice. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it's I mean it wasn't something I realized until until right before I left um, Massachusetts and moved to Ireland. Um, right. That there was that thing that happened where I collaborated with um, Caroline Doherty, um, and it was trying for both of us. But I realized that there was something in that process right. that became very important. And yeah. so, while living in Ireland, I was searching out those types of those types of interactions. And now that I'm back in the states, I'm still continuously looking for, you know, kind of collaboration interaction with as many artists as humanly possible.
0: Yeah. Um, it seems like you've had some luck with that. You've you've done a lot of work with other artists.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I did a piece. Um, I did a piece in Miami um, called Free Art. Uh, Free Art Stand, and it was literally like a lemonade stand. Um, I worked with. I don't remember exactly how many artists, but. Over the two days of being in Miami during kind of like Art Fair Week, Art Basel, and all that stuff that happens down there, uh, I ended up giving away 500 pieces of artwork from wow. artists that were, you know, still in college, and then some of them are, are represented by major galleries around the world. And you know, I was showing work from people in Brazil, and, uh, Slovakia, and uh, the UK, and all over the U.S. And we were just giving away pieces of artwork, and some of those pieces ended up going to like really amazing places. Right, uh, we had some great. work go to the MoMA. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had work go to, like, you know,
0: little kids' rooms. It was great. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> really,
1: you know, and it worked out well for me, and it worked out well for all these artists that I kind of collaborated with and asked them to donate work, and, uh, yeah, it was a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, that's cool. It's so they ended up in many different venues, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, now, uh, I guess with, um, now, you you were in Ireland for some time, and, and now, is that where you studied um, as well, or...?
1: Yeah, I got my master's there. Um, I went to a really, really, really small art college in okay. a rural village in Ireland. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's called the Byrne College of Art, and it's just, it's a very tiny place in a very tiny village.
0: Yeah, is there something that uh, sounds appealing about that? Just the, Yeah. For interaction and things like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting, because, um, I mean, their whole shtick is that they give you time, space, and inspiration, and... God, I, you know, I had loads of time because there's not a whole lot to do
0: in a village of 200 people. And right. uh, wow. <laughs> You know, and there's loads
1: of space, um, and it was it was actually like trying to figure out, okay, is this space going to be the important thing? Like, am I going to is my work going to start developing in this kind of weird way where um, I'm making you know work related to the landscape and this openness, or am I just going to use this openness as like a really good incubator for kind of internal ideas that I've been know, bumping around for a while and um, conversations I've been having. And that's what I did. I ended up using it as an incubator.
0: Nice, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's amazing what uh, different surroundings can do for the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, I guess uh, in some way, um, uh, do you feel that art training is is, uh, very important for an artist trying to develop ideas or...? Uh,
1: Honestly, I have no idea oh, okay. i you know i was I was looking at that when you when you it sent me these questions, I was staring at that question like i don't know I mean, I went to seven different colleges
0: yeah that's a big it question too loads yeah
1: loads of time i wouldn't trade my 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 education for anything in the world i mean for me it's i don't know if it's about formal art training or just education in general that I find to be for myself so important.
0: Like yeah. it was never about like that the formalness of going from
1: like step one to step two to step three and like then ending up with a degree and then going out. It was more about okay, well what kind of what kind of knowledge can I gain from these situations that I'm throwing myself into um and how do I maximize that? I mean I graduated with a ridiculous amount of credits because I went to a ridiculous amount of institutions. Right, yeah. So I don't know if it's necessarily important to have formal training. There are things that you gain out of formal training. But then on the other hand, um, I have a deep love for like all of the Southern Americana folk artists and outsider artists.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's something
1: like very raw and, um, you know, there's something very uh, sincere about
0: what they do. Right. So, yeah. It, um, so I guess in, it, it depends on, uh, well, I mean, I guess the important thing is just having experience. Uh, I think you might have mentioned that. Yeah, um, just yeah right. I think that
1: is the important
0: thing. Right, no matter where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I usually save this for a little bit later, but I want to see if we can jump into the meaty part of things and, and ask okay. you if there is um, maybe three to five words you can use to describe your work, uh, whether it's a phrase or independent words. or.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the big things that I focus on is I, I like my work to be a little bit of a distraction from everything else. Okay. Um, and that's why I use like such bright colors and that's why I make um, like really random weird pop culture references sometimes. Um, I, I like the idea that there's this absurdity. Um, so probably absurd and distraction would be two of the big ones. Um, okay. But that there's this like little absurdity that draws you away from all the things that are bouncing in your head. Right. Um, I think probably a word that would be key is found. Yeah, Um, yeah. Probably found stroke appropriated. Um, I don't know which one would be more appropriate, but it's, you know, six one half dozen of the other. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, probably, I think that it, like, absurd and found and distraction would probably be the three kind of key, key words to describe yeah to as a foundation for my work
0: yeah um the, the absurd is a good word i, I uh, that didn't come to me, but I, I think that's pretty close to, to what I was trying to get at with with a response from myself uh and and in some way with um with the amount of uh, the, there's an amount of tension involved in some of the like say some of the sculptures and yeah. the installations and then yet um within that there's a a playful quality as well yeah. Um, yeah, well, and I, it's the playful thing. That's where I feel like the distraction comes in. Okay. Uh, I want there to be that little
1: bit of tension. I want there to be that, like, that space between, you know, point A and point B, um, that you're kind of floating in, and you're never quite. There's no release for it, really, other than the fact that there's this playful thing happening. Right. Um, I've got a piece called Epic in Places, and that was part of the thing with that, was that I wanted there to be this like crazy, weird tension and almost like a dialogue or a mini-narrative happening, but the narrative is completely unclear and completely open. Um, I think that works a lot in my work, these kind of like ambiguous, open, mini-narratives that yeah. don't start anywhere and don't end anywhere and don't really lead you anywhere
0: huh that's a i I feel like in some way there there is a, a bit of a grounding quality which is nice involved in some of the pieces, but it's very subtle um you know whether it's a chair like we were talking about earlier or um or you know there th- there's almost like a double tension it seems in that one uh the epic in places where there there seems to be this tug of war in some way uh between the chair and you know and I don't mean to to make it representational in, in some way with, with, without, um, you know, to no. discredit. But, yeah, it's um, it, it's a nice journey, like, going over the, the different imagery of your work. Yeah, well, thanks. You're welcome. Um, I guess uh, time for the romantic question. Cool. Uh, when do you feel like you fell in love with art, or when do you feel like you became an artist? Um,
1: I don't know when I became an artist, but I grew up in art. My parents um, I, my parents have always collected art, and both of my parents went through art programs when they were in college before they had me. Um, and so we always had loads of work around, and my dad worked at a university, um, in a university art program. And so I spent a lot of my like my early childhood really in studios, uh, okay. plopped on the ground with other kids playing with clay. Oh, wow. So it's part of my... It's part of my norm. Okay. Um, I mean, my parents still collect work, and I think my dad. The last time I talked to him about it, they he counted up something like six hundred and eighteen pieces
0: in wow. the house. They could have a, a show. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, they could have a couple.
0: Um, true. <laughs> you know, and and it was always
1: it was different for me as opposed to my friends who had houses that had you know posters or. Um, things from Pier One. Instead of like a pot from Pier One, we had a pot from, um, you know, we had a, a, a piece from this ceramic artist named Dan Anderson. Okay. Um, you know, I knew the people whose work were on the wall. Um, instead of having a poster of like a Southwest theme painting, we had um, a a drawing of a reclined nude. Um, yeah. So wow. that all became part of my daily. Having loads of work and like almost visual uh, overload is part of my is part of my grounding and my basis. So
0: yeah. Um, now, do you have um, uh, as far as your your uh, uh, process and and whatnot? Do you feel, um, or would you like to bring up some artist names that maybe have been influential?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think probably key to a lot of things, and kind of my first my first grown up um, art crush, I guess. Oh, okay. Would be um, Ed Kienholz. Uh, he's a sculptor. Um, did a lot of assemblage, early assemblage stuff. He was definitely um, he fit within the kind of beat the beat generation people. Um, right. You know, California-based guys. So he was a big influence on like this idea of assembling things. Um, and more contemporarily, people like Tom Sachs, and how interactive and rough and ready his work is, and how like incredibly accessible a lot of his ideas are, and a lot of his and his work is even so accessible that like there are pieces that only truly work if you literally engage with them, like um, model car race or RC car racing. And, uh, uh-huh. I think there was pe one of his early pieces was a bong that you had to smoke out of. Oh, wow. Um, and then, um, and then there, I've gotten kind of weird. I have this thing where I tend to not on purpose, but I tend to like a lot of Swiss artists. So there's a, an artist based in New York, he's Swiss called Urs Fischer and his work references a lot of like, uh, A lot of studio, like what is art and what is the history of art and how is that then kind of re looked at? um, And uses a lot of kind of, I don't know, very accessible materials, uh, but manipulated greatly. Um, There's another guy named John, uh, John, let's see, I wrote it down, John Armlater. He did a lot of kind of performative installation pieces and other Swiss artists, lots of bright colors, lots of, like, weird associations between object and image and sound and um, space. So there's those sorts of associations. So those, I think those would be kind of the four guys that I kind of kick around in my head a lot,
0: right. how they function. It, it, it makes me think of, um, you know, I mean, you were talking about the idea of found, with with something created like from scratch, you know, on 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 what what may be lying on on the studio floor, or and coming together nicely in a in, in a nice sort of uh, concert together. Yeah. Um, and with uh, Ed Keenholz, you, you had mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's. I can kind of see that by way of uh, the the environments in some way, like like. Um, I guess in some way you you created. <laughs> The, the get in yeah yeah and that was uh, uh, what appeared to be I watched the video this morning and it looked like it was um, it definitely had an, an exterior
1: yeah yeah it was um, that was one of the collaborative pieces I worked on as peacock with um, Chris Attenborough it was a uh, it was a combination of kind of a mashup of um, two different Cultural icons, and one being the Irish, um, like traditional Irish pub. But also within that, there's a thing called a shebeen, or shebeen, uh, which is an illegal Irish pub. And then looking at um, like Southern blues, Americana, juke joint. Um, and so there was a lot of that, like trying to figure out how do those cultures mash together, and how do we create the space that would represent these types of these cultures naturally mashed together in the Caribbean um, during the slave trade and then kind of pushed towards America after and during the slave trade. Um, so we were looking at, like, how to create that, what that environment would be if we were to manufacture that environment. So everything from, like, we blended our own whiskey to oh, wow. created these mashups of, um, these mash-ups of like, um, certain icons of... Um, of American and Irish and um, early blues culture, um, and then we push that a little bit farther with a couple other pieces that were inside that piece. So that piece was really a lot of small pieces assembled into one large piece. So it wasn't it wasn't necessarily an exhibition of small pieces, but it was the fact that you can create a lot of smaller pieces to then create a larger piece, and you can then remove those small pieces and they still maintain. Being individuals, but together they become something else, almost like Voltron.
0: Right, great. Uh, nice analogy there. <laughs> um,
1: Voltron tends to pop up a lot in um, my uh,
0: references. Oh, great. But yeah, that was uh, the, the get in was kind of interesting, and it w- would have been uh, great to actually see that. Uh, or, or, Now, with the, the potential viewer, could they walk into that space?
1: Oh, yeah, it was a working bar.
0: Oh, great. Okay.
1: Yeah, wow. I mean, we, we only ran it for about four days off and on as a bar. Um, but, it I mean, we used it as kind of like a bar stroke um, gathering space. Right. Um, we might be doing it again at some point, but, you know, part of it was also, I mean, it, it functioned as a bar, and we would run it, and then we would keep all the crap that accumulated
0: there. Oh, great. And
1: then... Um, the next time that we did, you know, that we had a function there, we'd clean it all out and then start it over again. Uh,
0: huh. With, um, uh, with, with the, the objects and, and items in the, the bar itself, the space itself?
1: Yeah, everything stayed. It was just that, you know, all the, all the, I mean, what would happen after each one of the kind of, each one of the parties or the nights, the happenings um, would go on um, you know, we'd leave all the cans and everything and then come back a couple of days later and we'd clean up all the cans and then maybe we would do it again. Um, and we let it just kind of function naturally. So if people wanted to go in and like order pizza and come in and hang out in there, right. Sure. That's cool. You know, people could do that. Um, if they wanted to write on the wall, they wrote on the wall. Um, we really kind of let it be whatever it needed to be.
0: Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. So you created a, a space for whatever whatever happens happens. And 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 what, um, was there any other documentation besides the, the video that that's found on the, the YouTube page?
1: Yeah. So we've got we've got some photographic documentation of of just the structure itself on one of the websites, and then um, actually the the night of the opening, I have um, I had set up a um, IP camera an internet. You know, camera, and we recorded the entire night without anybody really knowing about it. Oh yeah, yeah. We had a surveillance camera, and so I've got about five to six hours worth of footage. Oh wow. um, That I just I haven't rendered yet. So.
0: Yeah. So we might Um, see that in the future.
1: Yeah, at some point. Some point. So I mean, a lot of the work that we that we do as Peacock is um, not a lot, but but a good bit of the work that we do as Peacock tends to be kind of taking taking a situation, say a pub or um, a fair, a barbecue, whatever it is, some sort of you know, normal human experience, and we place it in, in a place that's a bit foreign to it.
0: Sean Naftal goes on to talk about his project with Peacock called Affair.
1: So Affair was kind of the the second big... I think it was the second big piece that we did as Peacock. And, um, is that right? I think it was the second big piece. Um, yeah, so what we did was we created basically like a, a street fair, like what would be in Brooklyn or, you know, cities around the country. Um, and we picked that up and we dropped it into the middle of uh, an Irish landscape. So we had everything from like, um, kids games to food to dancing. Uh, there was a stoop that you could hang out on, popcorn, cotton candy. Uh, you had to buy tickets to get everything. There was like a little swag booth where you would buy, uh, buy t-shirts and CDs and posters and I think there were a couple other things. I think there were some hats or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it was just like this full... And we dropped it into this small village of like 200 people, and one of the big things for us was promoting it out in the village. Right. So what would normally be you know, a kind of stuffy art opening turned out to be a gigantic party, and we ended up with most everybody from the village coming up, including all the kids wow. coming and hanging out. So, yeah, it was, it was a cool project, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and most everything was was handmade. Yeah. So the popcorn machine was a handmade popcorn machine. Cotton candy machine was a handmade cotton candy machine. Um, wow. The only things that weren't really handmade, they were still locally um, locally found, I guess, would be... Uh, I rented a bouncy castle. Oh, okay, yeah. So I rented the biggest one that you could get in, like, <laughs> the whole region that we were in in Ireland. Right. So it was a gigantic, like, 30-foot-tall bouncy castle. <laughs> full of kids and um that you know i didn't build the dj uh yeah right
0: so, the, the, yeah, f- the so, physical human dj <laughs> yeah i know it's weird but yeah so um
1: i mean the cool part of that piece was that like I, I think it's cool i'm sure aaron doesn't agree with me quite so much was that i got her involved and we got a bunch of people like selling tickets making burgers djing manning the booth so like there are a bunch of people involved
0: plus there are a bunch of yeah, everybody had jobs, and um, yeah. there are a bunch of people involved, and then there are a bunch of
1: people, you know, playing around and having a good time.
0: Right. That sounds uh, pretty uh, spectacular. <laughs>
1: yeah, amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, uh, it's it's a wonder. I mean, you really involve yourself in a lot of different kind of projects. I mean, I mean, you know, to say, I mean, that that definitely takes art in, in a sense, like outside of the studio, and more of a community based, yeah. you know, sort of uh, events and whatnot.
1: Well, and part of the the deal with Peacock is that um, is that as Peacock, Chris and I are creating. We, we try to create situations. We call them projects or interventions, yeah. but we try to create these kind of like situations that people that are activated by the um, by the viewer, by the person involved in the process. So the get in was a great piece as a thing, as an installation. But it was an amazing piece once we had people packed in there, like drawing on the walls, playing yeah. cards, drinking, eating, you know listening to music, making out, um, the affair was the same way like it was only it was a great, big thing, but it was only a amazing, great thing once people were involved. We made another piece in Baltimore City that was a like a movie studio, like a little tiny shooting studio for independent filmmakers. We had ten filmmakers filming during an art fair there. And, uh, you know, the art fair was 350,000 people for three days. And it worked out amazing. Like, you know, we had people interview our Filmmakers were interviewing people in the fair, and then they were coming in, and they were editing in a little suite that we made. And then we were outputting those so that everybody in the fair could see what these films were. And, you know, it's all about this interaction and this, like... Kind of instigation of a new, you know, taking something and then putting it in the wrong place almost. Like picking up a shooting studio, putting it in the middle of an art fair. Uh, yeah, yeah. Taking a block party and putting it in a field. Taking a pub and putting it in a gallery. So there's all this kind of like, how does the space, how do you create a new space to relate to uh, a location that it wouldn't normally have relation to? Right.
0: So that's kind of one of the philosophies of peacock in some in yeah some, yeah, yeah, the other one is to kind of stick around so <laughs> nice um now, I know you mentioned um something about uh uh you know like w- with the get in you had done some surveillance or or I don't know if that's the right word, but uh just yeah. some some camera uh recording some video yeah. recording, and um now on the other side of things like as far as um, more more directly linked to your studio practice or otherwise. Uh, do you, you use any other kind of technology in your work?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've done some video work. Um, I use a lot of appropriated video when I do video work normally, um, and appropriated sound, or sound that's the... I did a piece that was well, a layering of Alex, like, taking this name Alex, actually just looking at games in general, and I picked Alex because it was the name that kept popping up into my head. So trying to figure out how that name kind of runs uh, like through my personal history, and okay. then taking those key Alexes that I remember. So I took Alex from The Last Starfighter okay, um, and removed him from every frame of that movie. Wow. So I cut something like the movie into 600 or 800 frames and removed him from every shot. Um, And then I took out all the audio and then the audio I plugged in was all of Alec from A Clockwork Orange. It was all his dialogue and monologue from the book. And then that was then read by um, an English voice program based on uh, this English guy that I knew while I was in Ireland. So it was like, my childhood was Last Starfighter, my adolescence was Clockwork Corns, and then my current state was being in Europe and being around all these Europeans. So I kind of mashed those together. Wow. Um, but then, like, I do use... I, I, I kind of build random websites off and on um, that are pieces of artwork. I have a website that's nonsuchwebsite.info. And oh, okay. it's, uh, it's just like a it's a rolling landscape and that's all it is. Like you go to that website and it's a landscape that you scroll across. And if you, I don't remember how long it is. If you print it out, it's something like 85 feet long.
0: Wow. So Uh, it's a horizontally based then. Yeah. Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean, I, I do use a lot of technology stuff in my work and I, but I would not say I'm a media based artist.
0: You wouldn't not say it?
1: No, I, I would, I, I'm not in media-based oh, artist. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, I, I guess up until now, I, I just definitely considered you a studio artist in some way, you know, if that makes sense, you know, based yeah. on the sculptures and whatnot. So that, that's yeah. cool to know. Um, and what was that website again? The, the, um,
1: it's info. Oh,
0: okay, thank you.
1: Yeah, I think I just sent it to you, actually.
0: Oh, okay, great. Um.
1: And there is a link from my website to it. So, I mean, and the other thing, like, with my website, I kind of consider my website another piece, sort of. Right. Um. I And this goes back to Peacock. Like, we've loosely been trying to figure out, like, okay, well, what is art? And, you know, what parts of your, like, just day, day-to-day living become pieces of artwork? So, like, you know, that's already been looked at by people like Joseph Boys or Arlan or... Uh, there's another person I can't think of their name right now that's doing it currently, but these are people that have like, my life is art and my art is life and blah 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 blah, but instead of like everything being art, well what little parts of my day to day still count as artwork? So my little part of my day to day that counts as art is my website. Um, So I made that kind of like a micro piece that then houses other pieces of artwork.
0: Right, and so in some way it's it's an active piece of artwork that is is um, alive and well, even if you're not uh, yeah. tinkering with it or accessing it yourself. It's, it's yeah. there for others. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um,
1: and the website really goes back to the way that my personal studio work has gone. Like, I create a lot of small pieces, and I want those small pieces to be able to work individually as a piece. Right. But then I want you to be able to take four or five of those pieces and put them all in one space and have them, as an installation. So that would be a new piece.
0: Right. Yeah, I think you had mentioned that with the Git in. That's kind of how yeah. it was assembled. Yeah. yeah. Same idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, you touched upon it a little bit. My next question was going to be about what do you think the internet has done to art uh, for promotion or presence, or I guess for better or for worse?
1: Um, you know, it means that you can find a lot more. Stuff. Yeah. I and mean, that's a big thing for me. It also means that not only can I find more art, but that means I can also find more, like, source material.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Um, I think the downside is that there's so much information. Like, for myself, I get caught up in just, like, going from page to page to page to page to page, just gathering bits of information, and I don't know if I actually internalize that information very well because of that. Like, it just ends up being, like, a big, glossy mess, Right. that I go through and then I leave and I'm like, what the hell did I just do? I have no idea. I just spent four and a half hours right. coming through online and haven't done a damn thing in the studio in two days, you know? Yeah. So I think, you know, you've got really excellent resources like rhizome is a great resource. Um, uh, You've got things like Kickstarter and Fundit, which are amazing resources for artists to be able to go out and find funding.
0: Right.
1: Um, And then you've got things like in New York, you've got NYFA, which is the New York Foundation for the Arts, which is an amazing resource for artists. Um, So I think in some ways it's great, and I think that there are a lot of artists that are really trying to push the idea of the web as a piece of artwork, and I find that really interesting.
0: Yeah, that seems um that's interesting. Thanks for those uh those um virtual links, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't uh, I've heard of Kickstarter but I didn't know I, I know there's a couple others out there like it, but I haven't heard of the Fundit um Fundit's an Irish site. Oh, actually. okay. Okay. Yeah. Basically Ireland and
1: the current economy was trying to renegotiate artists were trying to renegotiate how they would they would function. And they looked at the Kickstarter model as one of those ways of doing that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm a big, I really do like Kickstarter a lot. I do think that Kickstarter is, is a really great resource for artists. I think that really the, the hardest thing about the internet is that people are still having a hard time figuring out how to make work. Not about it, but in it. You know, how do you then make a piece of work inside the web? Um, I think that is where a lot of artists have a lot of hard times. I think that the resources on the web are amazing.
0: Yeah. It's the actual making of work that's hard. Now, how, uh, now, just to clear it up, I'm not really certain what you mean by that. Um, do you mean, uh, like, using the work as an art form itself? I mean, the web, I'm. excuse me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
1: using the web as an artwork. Right. Like, using it no different than you would use... Um, you know,
0: it's no different than a canvas, or it's no different than some sort of, like, a stage for for a performance piece. Right, yeah.
1: You know, that it's a space that can be utilized to make artwork. And I think when it works out well, like, Matthew Ritchie did a piece. I can't think of the piece, but it's an avatar-based system. And you go in into it, and you come out of it, and it's very fluid. And it's a piece of artwork in itself. Like, it doesn't refer to another piece of artwork. It's part of a large body of work. But this website is a piece of art.
0: Huh, that sounds cool. Yeah,
1: that's uh, the whole model of, you know, ownership and gallery and all that other crap.
0: Yeah, right. Like, like just finding a different venue. and Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and uh, it's come up in... At least one of the other interviews, uh, the previ- like in a previous interview, the, just the idea of you know using whether it's a blog or a website, um, you know, not so much just like as a as a space to show your work, but maybe um, as a as like you said, like you know, treat it like a canvas or you know. Uh, yeah, it's the venue for a piece of work. Right. Yeah. Or, or another.
1: The canvas. Yeah. What's that? It's the gallery. It's the canvas. It's that space.
0: Right, and there, there's, like, connecting the two is kind of the trick.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that there are people that do it beautifully, and I think it's great that there are people that just, that they don't do that, but they do have websites showing their work.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but there is something kind of magical when somebody can take that, that like, that difficult land and kind of tame it.
0: Yeah, it, it seems difficult, Um I, uh, often treat it like just, just a place to post my, my work, you know, Yeah. and it it would be nice to treat it like another medium, just an an extension of paint and, and foam and, you know, what have you.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's like actually one more question, but I'm not sure where I might have to edit it in there somewhere, but, um, it's, uh, it's kind of random and out of nowhere, but, um, what's that?
1: I said awesome.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> well, um, do you ever find yourself in a creative block? Or, or, and if you do, how do you find yourself getting out of it? Yeah, actually,
1: um, well, I find there's two different types of creative blocks for me. There's the one where I can't think of anything, and then there's the one where I don't want to do anything. Yeah. Um, I'm currently sitting in that I don't want to do anything. Um, which slowly kind of takes me over into the I can't think of anything. I've got a couple of pieces started currently. Yeah. That I'm, you know, I go down to my studio and I look at it and I'm like, huh, there it is. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go upstairs and have a cup of tea. Yeah. yeah um, tea you know, pie. and I leave it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, typically for me, the easiest thing to do is not think about it. Yeah. Like that actually, um I'll get so agitated at the fact that I'm not making yeah. that I'll go make. Um, like, I, art for me tends to be very compulsive. Like, I cannot stop making artwork. Yeah. And when I do, I become more and more um, agitated, and I'm sure I'm awful to live with. Um, I just, I can't. It, it's hard for me. Like it makes me really annoyed, and so I have to get to a point where I'm annoyed enough yeah. to then go back to the studio and just force myself to work.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I felt like I dealt with that this morning in some way that I, I don't know. I, I just kind of like like you said, it was very similar. I, I I looked at two pieces which may become one, and I actually knew what I wanted to do. Like to them, you know, whether yeah. it could be as simple as putting another coat of paint on them, you know? Yeah. And and I turn around and walk back to my computer. You know, it it it's just the the strangest thing. Yeah. And yet and yet that if I just worked on it, it would be the very thing that would take me away from that anxiety or or whatever, the pacing of yeah. of you know, whatever it is that I'm, you know, fretting about. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it may be fretting about the art itself. So it's like this weird like it's like negative and positive, you know, like like uh, like magnets that don't quite want to attach yeah. to one another or something. Constantly
1: spinning around in a circle. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's strange. It's a strange part of the process.
1: Yeah, I um, I'm I'm currently working on these. Well, part of the piece is, is a like a large argyle painting, and uh, they'll be they'll be worked into sculptures. But um, I constantly go down there and I just stare at the argyle, which is almost headache inducing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I have to do something. I just have to. Right. And I look at it, I'm like, I don't like you anymore. And I walk upstairs. It's like I feel like a jilted lover. Like, I just, <laughs> you know, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be with a piece. I just don't like it. Yeah.
0: It's, just,
1: it's not who I am right now. Or not, not Not. who I am. It's It's that it's not who I want to, like, spend my time with. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah, It's. You know? it's funny. And then there's, like, this idea of the surprise. I mean, you may be surprised at one point and not sure how to deal with the surprise of what is actually staring right back at you.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. That's great. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if it's great, but it's interesting. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's cool, yeah. Um, It's funny that, you know, just this morning I had that very same experience.
1: Yeah, I've avoided going into my studio. I mean, I walked through my studios in my basement, and uh, I was outside gardening when you sent me the text message earlier. Okay. So I have to go through my studio and Aaron's studio to get outside. Oh, okay. So I have to walk past my work and all of Aaron's work. She's been working. So right, yeah. everything's coming along. <laughs> yeah. To get outside to like play around in the garden. I'm like, damn it. What the hell? What is wrong with me?
0: You know? But. Yeah, it's just this, um, that reminder. It's like you're going to go outside and play when you really should be playing in the studio.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and you know that's how I always treat the studio. I never really treat it serious. Yeah, I mean, even with the peacock stuff, the the whole idea with the way that Chris and I come up with our ideas that every idea so far has literally come up while drinking. Oh, okay. Like every time we get together, we sit around, we drink beer or wine, and we eat, and we start. Yeah, and then idea comes based on the. Right, like oh hey, I was thinking about this. Oh really, huh? That's kind of interesting. And then we start talking about it, and then it's oh hey, I was thinking about this too. Oh really, that's amazing. And we and all of a sudden, like you know, we're drunk, <laughs> and then the next day whatever stuck.
0: Yeah, is yeah. What we start to talk about really try to re re uh, reacquaint yeah. yourself with the ideas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And whatever didn't stick to the drunken haze is what didn't apparently didn't work. It was like a chemically induced editing process. Yeah, right. <laughs> the natural. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's great. This is uh this last part of the interview has been really great just to get sure. into the some of the uh the behind the scenes part of the process uh of, of making art. <laughs> yeah. Let me just thank you, Sean Naftal, for uh talking with me on Odcast.
1: Yeah, you got it, Phil. This is great.
0: Thanks. Yeah. And just one, one more time, if you um, wouldn't mind, your, your um, URL, your web address is com. It is, yep. All right. Again, thank you. You got it. This has been Oddcast. Thank you from me, your host, Philip J. Mellon. Keep the dialogue going.